Handle on the news. Handle on the news. We are sick and tired of Bill Handle coming into our house. And now, here's Bill Handle. Hello, here we go. Oh, I need a, uh, where is it? I need a microphone condom. Oh, there it is. Mic sock. And where is, uh, hold on. Oh, there it is. Hold on. What are you retrieving now? Oh, are you going to spray? Uh, the oh, the spray. disinfectant. You're going to yeah. soak the mic sock with disinfectant. That's spray. correct. I should have done that earlier, but okay, here we go. I worked with a woman who kind of last minute thought to do that and just shot the spray right into the microphone, shorted it out. Oh, excellent. Yeah, I don't uh, particularly do that. Anyway, good morning, everybody. I handle uh, I'm going to see if my voice holds out this morning. Uh, let's try it out. In the meantime, yesterday I barely made it through the Yeah, show. you were froggy by yeah, 9.30. really, and I'm still a little froggy, and for no good reason. I feel fine. No sore throat, no cold, just weird. All right. All right. <laughs> Jennifer Jones-Lee. I don't know if that's a good sign. <laughs> no, Wayne Resnick. Good morning. And uh, Alex, good morning. And John, good morning. All right, well, I, listen, as we start uh, Handle on the News and this is sort of a good thing. Lately, we've been going through a whole lot of stories. That's something we want to do because um, that's a lot of pressure on the show to get through as many stories as we can. I want to keep that up. Okay? I want to hold your feet to the fire on this one. All right? Lots of stories. So we don't delay. So, Jen, how's Scott? He's good. He's coming down today. How's Daisy, the dog? Daisy's great. We celebrate Scott's 40th on Friday. Excellent. Wayne. I know what you're doing, and I know who you're doing it for. I don't know what's going on. I know on. who you're doing it dark. to, and I'm not participating. Who am I doing it for? Well, you're doing it for yourself. Who are you doing it to? Robin. Yep. Oh, see, there oh, you go. Oh, great. Sorry, Robin. And she, even, she, doesn't even, she doesn't even talk to me anymore about stuff like this. She just ignores it. She can't. She just, she can't, because the more she bitches, the happier I get. All right, guys. Let's do it. <laughs> Lead story. I don't shoot no Wait, a lot of shooting stories this morning. I mean, I, we start with three or four of them. Uh, two Dallas police officers and a Home Depot, em, uh, Home Depot employee wounded in a shooting yesterday afternoon. Uh, it was first reported that one of the police officers died, and is, is that not the case anymore? No, everybody's in critical condition. So both police officers and the um, Home Depot, um, what do they call them, like security guy? Loss prevention Loss officer, prevention. Yeah. Security you. guard. Yeah. yeah. They're well, all actually, that's not true because- uh, Loss prevention's a little different. Yeah, they walk around in uh, regular clothes. Yeah. Like and, they're, and they also look at uh, monitors because you have those cameras all over the place. Anyway- so uh, he went into the lo- into the Home Depot uh, and just started shooting the place up. I just, I just don't get it. Okay, uh, uh, let's, why don't we do another? Oh, this one shooting story. People, why won't you keep your clothes on? There was a guy in Hacienda Heights who they finally got into custody after he sat on his roof and stripped. They don't even really know how this whole thing started, but about 4 o'clock yesterday, there's all this footage of this guy sitting on the roof of his house, kind of like the second story, and he's, the cops have shown up, he's yelling at the cops, he's screaming at them all kinds of stuff, and all of a sudden, the shirt comes off, and then he throws his arms out. 
And then he takes his pants off. And then he throws his arms out. And then he takes his boxers off. And then he throws his arms out. And then all of a sudden, a cop comes down the window. And he has the wherewithal to put his pants back on. And then he goes down and gets handcuffed by the cops. What? Hey, you know, we had that story yesterday. It was Not another one. Another shooting story? Uh, Yeah, this one's very dark. There was, you had this as breaking news, Jen, yesterday down in the Harbor Gateway area where the firefighters came out to a house that was on fire and it turned into an armed standoff. Well, we know a little bit more about what happened. That leaves only me to blame because my firefighters were called. They put out the, the fire in about 12 minutes and there was a family of five and they got out of there. And the mother said, I want my son arrested. Now, the firefighters can't arrest anybody. So then the son says, well, I got to go back in the house and get some of my belongings. belongings yeah. Comes back out with a gun, shoots his mother in the head multiple times, and then barricaded himself in the house. All right. So I'm assuming there were some issues he had with his mother. And it was, uh, and that's in front of all of the firefighters. Yeah. So this guy uh, obviously uh, went over the edge at that point, just, or he was squirrely to begin with and uh, was obviously. It makes me think he started the fire. Could be. And that's maybe why the mom wanted him arrested. Yeah. Well, obviously never know. All right. Jen, take us out of the shooting section of handle on the news, please. Well, the president is defending his VA nominee. Yeah. Weird defense. This is this. So the president's uh, VA nominee was his doctor. We've all seen Rear Admiral John, Ronnie Jackson talking about the president. And then now this guy, though, this doctor is accused of hostile work environment. He's accused of being drunk on the job. He's accused of over prescribing meds. And so the president goes, you know, I wouldn't if I were him. Why would you want to get basically beat up by a whole bunch of politicians? Right. But, you, you know, Ronnie, I'll support you no matter what you do. Yep. But why? And so, and then later on, defending him more and more throughout the day. Now, he's got some problems because of the accusations, as you listed. Also, the fact he has never had an administrative post. He's never run a, a division with eight people, much less 360,000 employees and probably the most difficult bureaucracy that exists in the U.S. government. You add that uh, to the workplace environment issue, uh, you know what? He's going to have some big problems. Well, he may not have any problems because he, they gonna, indefinitely delayed yeah. the whole yeah, proceedings gonna, on this gonna, guy. He has no choice. So withdraw. in the meantime, the VA is languishing w- without right. you know a permanent leader. Right. All right. Uh, we're going to take a break. Just a quick thought. Uh, and I don't know why I'm thinking about mortality. I go off and on on that when I get depressed. And I mean, what will the LA Times write? When I'm gone, I and that's a fun topic. Why you, are you assuming they'll write? I don't know. Anything? Yeah, you're right, but I, but I'll tell you, I guarantee what they will write, and that is after the funeral, your chance to win a thousand dollars. Brought to you by Cunning Dental. If you need dental implants, call Cunning Dental for a free exam. Eight 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 six forty smile. Okay, Jennifer. Vandenberg Air. All right, handle here in the morning on a Wednesday, April 25, hump day, and here's your chance to win some money. Your shot at $1,000 now.
Text the keyword bank to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's bank to 200-200. The winner's notified with a phone call, which you must answer like Lupe in Victorville did. Your next chance to win $1,000 coming up next hour. All right. Uh, more handle on the news. Big stories that we're covering this morning. Uh, federal judges ruled in favor of DACA and just shut down uh, what the president is doing. The uh, federal courts are not really big with uh, President Trump. I would say they don't go out to dinner a whole lot. And uh, we also have, uh, we're waiting for the trial of uh, the uh, the deliberations are going on right now with Bill Cosby. And he's looking at some jail time if he gets convicted. And I mean, it, I, w- I just heard instant incarceration. Wow. All right. Uh, let's do it. More handle on the news. Jennifer Jones Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. And uh, as to what you were saying about DACA, it's the third federal judge to say you can't stop DACA. This is this is one of those situations where whether or not the president has the right to end the DACA program isn't even the point. It's that the judges keep finding that he hasn't explained right. why he's ending it. And so uh, do the judges, when you have a law or you have a presidential directive, does there have to be a basis for that directive? And he's uh, citing national security here with uh, DACA. And uh, the judges are saying, you've got to come up with some rationale. You can't just arbitrarily say, I'm going to throw these people out or I'm going to stop this program. Why? Uh, because I want to. What the judges are saying, you can't do an uh because I want to when issuing a presidential order. This has to be specific. They want specifics as to why, right? It doesn't have to be, you know, a hundred pages. It doesn't have to be ultra specific. It just has to be enough that it's not arbitrary and capricious. Right. Where it's just he pulled it out of his uh pulled it out of his rear end. Well, this uh SoCal ICE agent helped uh, a buddy get back into the US. Illegally, after the guy was barred from coming back in. By the immigration man, I'm assuming ICE agents can't do that. No, no, it's I think kind it's of a crime. Upon. Yeah. So this guy Felix Cisneros of Marietta was, it was a a friend of his friends basically, and the guy had gotten in trouble. And even though he was a resident of the U.S., he got sent back to Mexico because of crimes that he had committed here. Will this ICE agent help this guy get back into the country? Now, I, I think what happened is that he, they didn't kick him out. He, he, left, he left and they wouldn't let him back in. If, he, if this of, guy had just stayed in the country, he might right. have been here forever. Now, uh, the way this is written is very strange. He was actually a lawful permanent resident, but was not allowed to reenter. Oh, he was at that time a lawful resident. At that time. Yeah, but he left. Yeah, at this point, he's no longer a lawful resident. Then he Mm -hmm. tried to get back in, and this ICE agent helped him. Yeah. Wow. All right, some polling numbers are in. Who might be the next governor here in California? Coming in at 21%, Gavin Newsom. Coming in at 18%, a surprising number two. Yeah, Antonio Villarreal. He's gone up quite a bit. I don't understand how that guy I don't either. gets this much credibility. I'm going to put it on the record right now. If Antonio Villaragosa becomes the governor of this state, I'm moving to Yemen. 
It's going to be a yeah, it'll be a better place to live. Oh my goodness. I'm telling you, I think I know what it is. He has got a media blitz going on. I was getting my nails done last night. Boom. Oh yeah. Via Ragosa after Spending Via Ragosa. This well, he has morning, labor. I'm watching, yeah. He has labor and he has Hispanics. Yeah. And he's very very he well women. known and he has He does very well women voters as well. And then in third place, a Republican, John Cox, 15%. Yeah. All within uh, between 18 and 50, 15%. That's within the margin. Yeah. And uh, the poll also shows 17% are undecided. That is a huge number. So we could literally go uh, whichever. I'm thinking Gavin Newsom is going to get it. Who is, it's, it's going to be the fight of the liberals. Cox will never stand a chance. Not in this state. Although, Probably not. Although we have put in Republican uh, governors. Yeah. Sure. When was Do, the last time we did that? Well, we did, well, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger yeah. yeah, but he was not. Yeah, not he was Republican. More the, yeah, with he a was more. R. He was more the Terminator than he was a uh, a candidate. And so we elected a Terminator. But we had Duke Majin. We had Pete Wilson. But sure. uh, For a while. It's, it's been a long time. Yeah. And he and even uh, 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 even Brown. Jerry Brown, even though he's a nominal Democrat, he's pretty conservative in many, many ways. Gavin Newsom is just insane liberal, just out of his Via mind. Ragosa is moderate compared to Gavin Newsom. Yeah. Oh, completely. Yeah. All right. Well, then uh, the Orange County Board has rejected that plan to house homeless in the Silverado Library. Of course. Like they weren't going to. Yeah. So uh, the takeaway here is there is no place... In Orange County that will house the homeless. Isn't this like the 11th place that the board has said no to? Now you watch. uh, Next meeting is we are going to force the homeless to move to Los Angeles. That's the answer for the Orange County homeless. I know a place where there's plenty of room uh, that could house the homeless. In our parking lot here? No, there's a riverbed in in Orange County in Santa Ana area that is totally empty right now. All right, we're going to come back uh, and do more in the meantime. All right, KFI handle here as uh, we continue with more handle on the news. Jennifer Jones, Lee Wayne Resnick, and me. Uh, Los Angeles, not the only city with a homelessness problem and an affordable housing problem. And up in Seattle, they're proposing a tax on employees. In Seattle, in Seattle. It starts off, it would be uh, 26 cents per working hour per employee. Or about $540 a year for a full-time employee, and it will generate uh, about $75 million a year. And then it'll convert later to a seven-tenths of a percent payroll tax. I don't know why they're even making it so complicated. Yeah, they should just say tax. Yeah, it's a tax and and just make it easy to calculate and not worry about it. But guess who's going to get hit the hardest? Amazon. Because because they have so many employees there. Matter of fact, uh, well, the good news, they turned down... Uh, the uh, introduction of a bill that says uh, homeless people get free everything from Amazon. Would you be surprised? Where is it delivered? It's a very good point. Oh, yeah. It's like, like Western Union. You used to be able to pick up at Western Union. So you'll have a... Ooh. Oh, Amazon Locker. You can get it sent to an Amazon Locker. Uh, yeah, why not? And then but how do you get there? See, you have to leave your homeless camp and you have to get there because that's one of the problems with these homeless people. That's what killed Silverado. Right, because uh, just of transportation. Now. Right. Uh, this was at the library 
uh, that empty lot, and uh, people said, well, there was a preschool there, and there's that library. It's a brand-new library. And neighbors said, hey, there are no services. People, there are no, There's no bus service. Where do they go? But how do they get the services? Yeah, mean? and how do they, for example, you're pushing for jobs. How do they get there? And that's a very good point. Well, there was an anonymous survey that went out to the L.A. city workers, and almost 20% of them say that they've been sexually harassed. Hey, I need a life of crime. I'm assuming this is women. I'm assuming, but you know what? I think I'm surprised that the number's actually that low. Really? I expected it to be way higher. See, I would have gone the other way. That you thought it would be lower. Yeah, yeah. Also, more than half of the people who said this happened to them said they didn't report it to anyone. I guess, and maybe that's maybe that's my thinking. If uh, if I'm one of those people, if I don't see it, it's not there, kind of thing. You know, I put my hands over my eyes. I can't see you, therefore you can't see me. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I I think for a lot of people, I I'm I'm gonna say that we've all been sexually harassed for most of our careers, and you don't kind of think twice about it. It's weird to talk about whether this number seems high or low because the baseline, because it's almost like, well, what's the correct amount of sexual harassment? Right. Which should be zero. zero. Right. So 18% is high, but 5% is high right. if you're shooting for zero. Stan, speaking of, oh no, speaking of uh, inappropriate sexual behavior, Stan Lee, Marvel comic Stan Lee is being sued by a massage therapist in Chicago. Her name is Maria Carballo. And this is a very strange story because uh, she's come. She, she went twice and uh, there was an apology and she came back. I mean, there's a, a lot of pieces here. Yeah, but that he uh, fondled himself and inappropriately grabbed her during a series of arranged now, massages at and, a hotel. And, and, and by the way, not that I don't believe this happened, but I will tell you what the defense is going to be. And that is that he is 168 years old. You're right. That is the defense. And saying, hey, you can argue all you want. He doesn't have the physical, he doesn't have the physical ability to do this. That's what I, I would bring a doctor. How old is he actually? 95. Uh, and that was his, in his lawyer's words, the guy is 95. I don't think he would do that. Well, but there's you 95, can't say that. There's 95 uh, decrepit and unable to move well. And there's 95 yeah. spry and quite and we able don't know to grab. Yeah, so. By the way, the yeah. lawyer saying, I don't think, is very different than throwing a doctor up there and going through studies and scientific evidence and saying uh, eight, 6% or 1% or whatever of uh, 95-year-old males can actually do this. Oh, also, it doesn't say he sustained an erection either. All it did is say he fondled himself. And, uh, hey, you know, you can... I'm, listen, I'm being scientific here, all right? Mm-hmm. I am not being prurient. I am just uh, talking about legal defenses here and prosecution defenses. Okay? I don't think it's legally... Or prosecution re- cases. But I don't think it's legally relevant whether he had an erection or not. Um, I don't. I don't think it's it like. Might, it's not it's, like no. Oh, I can't say it. Darn it! There's such a great job. I'm going to say it, and if I get in trouble, I'm in trouble. It's not like no hard, no foul. <laughs> that's very good. Wow, that's, that's not very. The way the law works. That's very strong. However, it is relevant if the defense is that uh, he didn't do it because he could not sustain an erection, 
and then you argue that's not relevant because but, when but you're talking about. But all she said is he fondled himself. Right. I'm so right. it doesn't it's matter right. the condition. I, you know what? We're spending. It's more about his mind. If he, spending, because if he's a pervert in his mind. We're it, spending way too much time I on I agree. This. Let's, move on. Let's move and on to another fault. alleged pervert. Yes. How about Bill Cosby? Yes. The jury's got the. Cosby. Jury starts deliberating today, five and a half hours yesterday, closing arguments. And they said, they literally said, please don't make us start today. Please let us start tomorrow. So deliberations start today. And you guys, it's true, right? That if the longer a jury deliberates, usually the better it is for the defense. Not necessarily. It can go, uh, you can't tell what a jury's going to do. Sometimes they deliberate a very long time just because they're being extremely methodical. Right. Hmm. Or they like the lunch because lunch is brought in, and it's That's a free true. and it's a free meal. That's a good point. Uh, but Cosby, this is a different trial than uh, before for a couple reasons. First of all, uh, the prosecution is being allowed to bring in five women who talk about what Cosby did to them. Also, I think uh, Andrea Constant, uh, they're bringing in the fact that she said, "I can't wait to get some money from this guy." I think that's new to the trial. And also, is it? In this trial, they allowed the jury to hear Cosby's testimony yeah. in a deposition right. that he said, I've given quaaludes to women. Also, the Me Too movement is part and parcel of this trial, even though the, the judge says, can you uh, separate yourself from the Me Too movement? Well, of course I can. It's all a bunch of lies. No one can separate themselves from reality. All right, we'll take a break. We'll see. Uh, real quick, uh, is he going down survey right now? Jen? Uh, uh, yes. Okay. Uh, Wayne? Well, trying to predict what a jury's going to do Doesn't is matter. a fool's errand. There's enough there for you. Only need one juror to say, "Yeah, she was trying to get money." Right. So I think there's a high likelihood of at least a hung jury. All right, Alex. No, he's not. And uh, John. Yeah. Do you know who Bill Cosby is? Wow. Whoa. Fat Alberts. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now we're going to come back and more handle on the news. I'm begging, 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 begging you. All right. KFI handle and the morning crew on a hump day Wednesday. Uh, big stories that we're covering. Uh, DACA. Federal judge just ruled in favor of DACA. The government has to accept new applications. We'll talk about that coming up at 7 o'clock. Bill Cosby. Deliberations started in the trial, so there's a lot there. All right. Let's finish it up. Uh, Jennifer Jones Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. Uh, a judge in Florida is not allowed to come back to her courtroom after she was very mean to a woman in a wheelchair. And she might have gotten away with being mean to the woman in the wheelchair, except after she was mean to the woman in the wheelchair about the woman's medical conditions, the woman died. A day after the Yep, the trial. next day. Yeah, she had all kinds of pulmonary problems, the woman in a wheelchair. And the judge said, uh, and this is on video, I am not here to talk about your breathing treatments. Oh, geez. Not good. No. Hey, I, you know, judges are, occasionally you see a crazy judge. And uh, just a quick story. When I started practicing, for the first 30 seconds of my practice, I did evictions. So I'm doing an eviction, and uh, all of a sudden the judge stops it. And this happens all the time in the middle of proceedings, in the middle of trial, where there's a motion or whatever, and the judge will just stop it and say, I've got to take 15 minutes to hear this motion or whatever. So everybody just sits around while the motion's being heard. So um, we're sitting there doing the eviction, and the judge stopped it. And he said, uh, I have to do a quick uh, bail uh, hearing. And a bunch of hookers had been picked up the night before, and it was simply, you know, bail. You know, they, they, they do it in, in mass. 
So literally, there must have been 14 women who uh, walk up. The bailiff walks them up in front of the court, and he's going to go each one. And they're going to be the same bail, of course, you know, OR, 200 bucks, whatever. And as they're marching in, I swear, the judge said, here come, and by the way, most were Hispanic. The vast majority were Hispanic. Here come the Taco Bells. No. Oh, yes. Oh, oh yes. Oh. Was he admonished in any way for Absolutely that? Absolutely not. Everybody in the court lost it. We were on the floor laughing so hard. But that was a long time ago. Well, yeah. Wow. Oh, boy. Well, there's a uh, murder suspect in Palos Verdes, a teenager who has been denied his bail reduction. Go straight to hell, boy. He's on a $5 million bail. His attorneys wanted to try and get it to a million dollars, but the judge said nope. So he That's high when you're not talking about This is not a murder either, is it? Yeah, he's a murder oh, he's, suspect. Oh, well, that's right. It's a yeah. felony murder rule. He drove the getaway car from a gang shooting. Yeah. Right, so he's linked to a guy in another crime. Yeah. But $5 million does seem like a lot when you're not even the necessarily the like yeah. the main suspect. What's interesting about this one is the judge said flight risk because his parents had so much money. How many wealthy kids join gangs? It's very rare. True. Right. Sacco Vanzetti. Oh no, the Le- uh, Leopold. That's it. Was it Leonard and Leopold? Leopold and Loeb. Are yeah, you Leopold of? and Loeb. That was it. Thank you very much. Two very wealthy kids wanted to commit the perfect crime. But they didn't join a gang. No, no, they but I'm just saying wealthy people, wealthy kids doing crazy stuff. Yeah. But That's... in the Menendez, didn't one of the Menendezes go overseas? Didn't he go to Europe and they had to bring him back? I don't remember. I don't remember. At the, like a tennis tournament or something? I don't know. Uh, Jen, you touched on this in your newscast. The Supreme Court's rejected the appeal of a guy who was sentenced to 241 years in prison for a crime he committed when he was only 16. I just got Supreme Court upheld it. Well, they said we're not going to hear it. Yeah. It, well, that's basically Which they know when they say that, that, that the sentence stands. Yep. Even though in 210, the same court said the Constitution prohibits the imposition of life without parole sentence on a juvenile offender who did not commit a homicide, which he did not. But you can't go retroactive. Well, it's also that it's form over substance because his sentence is technically not... Life without parole. He will be eligible for parole when he's 112. Well, there you go. Can you argue, though, that the chances of him making... No, not anymore. I'm sure they argue that, but not anymore. Well, I'm sure they argue that in the motion uh, to grant certiori where they ask the court to hear it. You know, the court turns down the vast, vast majority. They hear 80 cases a year and 5,000 are submitted to the court. So what are your chances of actually going in front of the court? Although there is a friend of mine who is in front of the Supreme Court, and the arguments were on Monday. Which case is that? Uh, Ray Lucia. Lucia versus oh, the FCC. Yes, we talked about that. Yeah. I feel like when you were giving your speech to the yeah. sheriffs, we had a little thing on his Yeah, appeal. and uh, Ray uh, had some prob- big problems with the SEC, and the issue is how much power uh, does the president have over appointees? Is there an hmm. independence with the SEC judges or not? And uh, everybody's saying that this case is super important because yeah. it may it may speak to whether he can fire Mueller. Oh, yeah. This is very, very. Oh, yeah. Even though that's not what the case is. And about. I think uh, O'Melveny and Myers just took it up. I think they're doing it pro bono. It's so important uh, because this is really, really critical stuff.
All right. Uh, you want to do it? Uh, we'll take a break. Yep, we'll yep. take a break. That is it. Oh, we got the 15 stories. Not bad. All right. Coming up, uh, DACA. Federal judge just slapped President Trump. Just bitch slapped him. Am I allowed to say that? Apparently. If not, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, please disregard that last statement. Coming up right here, KFI AM 640. Handle here in the morning crew on a hump day, April 20, April 25. Uh, the big stories that we're covering is, first of all, uh, Bill Cosby. Deliberations have already started. Uh, we have the deal of the week, by the way, coming up uh, at uh, 7.30, Cheapskate University. Uh, and then do you remember that uh, basic income trial that Finland started? Free money for everybody? That's gone. I'll tell you why. And that's coming up at 9.20. In the meantime, uh, just a huge story uh, came down yesterday. And this is uh, a U.S. District Court Judge John Bates ruled that the Trump administration not only must uphold DACA. Remember, uh, Trump said it's going to end uh, mid-May. Nope, the judge says this continues on. And beyond that, uh, the Trump administration must accept new DACA applications. That has never happened. So uh, the federal judge uh, delivered what is considered the toughest blow yet to uh, the Trump administration efforts to end the deportation protection for the young undocumented immigrants. I'm going to say in the case of DACA recipients, Uh, that I'm going to use the word undocumented uh, immigrants. Normally, I don't use that word because the actual term, the legal term is illegal alien. There is no such thing as an undocumented immigrant. It's code for, we don't want to call them illegal aliens because that's a pejorative. Because in reality, we don't believe there's such a thing as an illegal alien. It's hilarious. Well, that's not me, but certainly a lot of Latino activists. And uh, you ever notice at uh, demonstrations, they hold up sign and say, people aren't illegal. Well, they are. Human beings aren't illegal. They are. When they're here illegally. Am I missing something here? But there is a huge difference when it comes to uh, members of the DACA crowd. These are young, uh, these are people who were brought over as children. And in some cases, have no idea that they're illegal until they apply for a driver's license where you have to show a birth certificate. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, mom, dad, I need a birth certificate. Well, uh, actually, you were born in Mexico or El Salvador. Gee, thanks for sharing that one with me. In some cases, they don't even speak Spanish. And they're looking at deportation in some cases of which they're going to be deported back to countries they've never visited and have no idea how to survive. So uh, these childhood arrivals, uh, the program, of course, is the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. And uh, the acronym is uh, DACA, uh, has been stopped by the Trump administration. 
right? It's every two years, it has to be reinstated because it's a two-year program. And what it does is provide uh, renewable work permits and deportation protections for about 690,000 of these dreamers. And what's interesting is nothing permanent about this. And they remain illegal aliens, legally. They're just given work permits. They're allowed to work here, which other illegal aliens certainly are not. And the deportation protection is there. In other words, they cannot be deported under the DACA rules. Now, the president uh, did something pretty strange when it comes to that. He sort of, you know, uh, well, he said one thing and did another, of course. He talked about uh, he wanted to extend DACA to protect another 700,000 dreamers, to protect everybody. But at the same time, he's not going to renew. He said, We're, I'm not going to renew DACA. He still has until, I think, beginning of May, May 5th, May 8th, something like that, uh, to uh, go ahead and extend it. And here is what uh, the judge uh, said, is that the decision to phase out the program is arbitrary and capricious. And why is that? Because the government failed to adequately explain its conclusion that the program is unlawful. And here's what the judge said, that uh, the administration directive saying, I'm going to end this program or I'm going to institute this program, has to be backed up by some kind of rationale. It can't be, gee, I want to do this. And the judge said, that's unlawful. You can't do that. You can't just arbitrarily throw in a rule, especially when we're talking about DACA recipients where look at what happens at the deportation. I mean, it, here's what the judge the judge ruled effectively. You, you weigh the benefits and the risks. And the benefits of the United States, well, we'd like to know what they are because the president, the administration, never, re, never iterated what they are. But the risks, you throw these DACA kids out. And some are adults now. And look what's going to happen to them. And so you have to come up with some kind of rationale. This is for the government. And the government has not. Now, national security, uh, maybe the the president threw in those words, but national security is the catchphrase for anything the president wants to do. The president literally can quote national security, but there has to be something there, according to the judge. Now, what the judge did do is then uh, hold off uh, his ruling for 90 days to give the Department of Homeland Security a chance to provide more solid reasoning for ending the program. And here's what I think is going to happen, as I've said many, many times before. Uh, An administrative decision, the courts give tremendous leeway to. The courts say we're not, even if we disagree completely with a decision made by one of the agencies, Homeland Security, Social Security, whatever agency, we're going to defer because that's the job of the executive. And if you want to change that, you go to Congress to do that. We don't create, we interpret. That's the way it works. So if the administration comes up with any rationale for, in fact, removing DACA protections, the court is going to uphold it. 
And the administration now has 90 days in which to do that because the judge suspended his own order in order to uh, do that. All right, so we'll see what happens. Is DACA going to remain? You would think so. The, the majority of Americans want DACA. They want to protect these kids or these people that came over as kids. All right, uh, coming up. Uh, could jobs curtail the homeless issue and connect jobs and the homeless? And boy, they're inextricably connected. Also, after the break, your chance to win $1,000 brought to you by Cunning Dental. If you are missing teeth, call Cunning Dental for a free exam, 888. But you got to keep your head up, oh, and you can let your head down, hey. You got to keep your head up, oh, and you can let your head down, hey. I know it's hard. KFI, handle here on a... Wednesday, hump day, April 25, uh, some of the big stories that we are covering. Uh, the aftermath of uh, the Trump-Macron uh, state dinner and meeting, and they almost had sex together. Did you know that? I'm telling you, it was that much of a bromance. So, but first, here's your chance to win some cash. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword WIN to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's WIN to 200-200. If you're the winner, they're going to call you, but you have to answer the call like Angela in San Clemente. She won $1,000, and you have another chance to win $1,000 next hour. All right, uh, back we go uh, to uh, the topic at hand. And uh, what a shocker, homelessness. Now, we're spending a lot of time talking about homelessness. And you know why? Certainly you do, because it's become uh, front burner stuff. It wasn't that big a deal, certainly for the homeless and certainly among the workers and advocates of the homeless. But, you know, it has now come uh, front of mind. And there's a reason for it. Uh, For example, uh, Los Angeles homelessness uh, crisis has just exploded. The past several years, L.A. has topped the nation in chronically homeless people. Uh, Almost 17,000 in the 2017 count. And and doesn't count the people that they know are homeless that simply haven't counted. By the way, Los Angeles isn't alone. I mean, we look at Orange County on a daily basis, what's going on with uh, the Board of Supervisors. They cannot get a place to house their homeless. And that's an ongoing fight. So there is a, a new study... And this is from a liberal think tank. Uh, it's called the nonprofit, uh, the Economic Roundtable. And here is what they're saying. Even though 33,000 people have moved, uh, homeless people have moved into permanent housing since 2013, as you know, we've launched a $1.2 billion construction project. Still have a huge problem. The rents are crazy. Uh, the medical crisis continues to push people out of their homes. And so what is the answer? Well, of course, the answer is permanent housing, right? Uh, no, not, not even close. I mean, we need permanent housing. But Dan Fleming, the president of this economic roundtable, said in a statement as a result of the study, housing alone is not enough to end homelessness. And we've talked about that. I've mentioned that time and time again. Because permanent housing does nothing except take people off the streets. Now, that works for us. So I don't have to see them. I don't have to deal with them. I don't have to smell them. 
I don't have to worry about syringes and used condoms that are uh, strewn about the streets. They're over there in an impermanent housing. But what do you do with these people? Are you literally going to pay for uh, housing, permanent housing for the rest of their lives? So you get a 20-something homeless person who is theoretically going to live to, well, not 75 or 85 because of all the issues revolving around homelessness, but let's say 60. That's damn near 40 years we're paying for housing for someone. So what is the answer? Well, the answer is child care, because a lot of them have uh, children, transportation, temporary housing until permanent housing can be built at $350,000 per unit, Uh, training, and uh, government-funded jobs if they can't get proper training. In other words, we're going to literally have to support these people in a big, big way. And if we are at all interested in bringing these folks back into society as useful members of the community, it's going to cost a fortune. Now, maybe we want to spend the money. It's a question of priorities. For example, federal government priority today is uh, the military. $567 billion or whatever we're spending. And what's not a priority for the feds or the state? How about this one? An early warning earthquake system, which we haven't finished, which we've been talking about for years and years, and Japan has had one for decades. How much money are we talking about? Oh, I don't know, $35 million, $40 million? A budget in California of what? How much? $100 billion, $150 billion, whatever it is? Federal budget, $4 trillion, and we can't get a subsidy, some money, combination of state and federal money to pay 35 or $40 million for an early warning system, which is already half built. It's priorities. The problem with the priorities with the homeless, when you bring it up to a level of very important it was, it was always reasonably important. Well, I don't know. It was always minorly important. And then it became reasonably important. And now it's become critical. Now it's top of mind. Now it's something that we understand that this is a major failure in this country. And we now want to do something about it for practical reasons as well as for moral reasons. Because helping the disenfranchised, helping the poor, helping the oppressed, helping the mentally ill is something that we as a society have always Uh, taken a lot of pride in. And it's just a question of priorities. The cost of doing this is so astronomical. And by the way, I'm not saying not to. Uh, I'm not making a value judgment here. Uh, Yes or no, I'm sort of in the middle with this. I believe in spending some money, but I don't want to support someone for 50 years either. And the cost of training someone, giving them mental health, giving them... uh, 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 giving them medical, giving them all the training they need, uh, it's going to be a fortune. Whichever way the answer is, it's going to cost a ton of money, and then then priorities have to be looked at. Coming up, uh, Clark Howard Cheapskate University travel tips, and then deal with a week right here, KFI AM 640. Because I'm Clark Howard, I'm parsimonious. Clark Howard. And 
find out. This is KFI Handle here on a hump day Wednesday. And uh, every other Wednesday, we uh, engage in Cheapskate University with uh, Clark Howard. And uh, good morning, Clark. Good morning. Oh, lots to talk about today. When should we start? I mean, gosh. We need like five hours. We do. Right we do. Except uh, after about we 10 minutes. And well, not only that, after about 10 minutes with you, everybody falls asleep. Thank All right. You. You're welcome. Now, Clark, <laughs> vacation time, travel yeah. time, which, of course, this is the time we start thinking about it for summer. And people make a lot of mistakes. Or if they don't make a lot of mistakes, they don't uh, plan around the Clark Howard philosophy, which is world famous because uh, Clark, as much as I make fun of you, you really know your stuff when it comes to vacations. So uh, you've got some uh, money-saving travel tips when planning a vacation. Let's just go for it. All right. So first thing and what you're making fun of me for is that my belief is you buy a deal and then figure out why you want to go there. If you will turn the way you think about travel upside down, you'll see the entire world for a fraction of the cost of what you would see it otherwise. And and this is the way I've always lived my life with travel. Instead of picking a destination and then looking for the best deal for it, I pounce on deals when they happen. And I go all over the world as a result at such cheap prices. As you know, I, I take my staff on a trip each year and we pick a time we're going to go but then we go wherever the deal is. All right. So, so uh, just really quickly, have yeah. you decided yet where your staff's going to go this we year? We just got back just a couple of days ago from France. And oh. We went because it was 463 round trip to Paris. And these deals are so random. You know, two days ago, there was a deal from San Francisco to Beijing for 363 round trip. And the deals... Just you have no idea because they come out of left field. In fact, coming up on when we do the deals of the week, I've got some travel deals to Europe that you can buy today that are so exceptionally low. So, so, so I I don't buy like most people do. I buy based on where the bargain is, and that shapes my travel. But most people won't do that, Bill. Yeah, for sure, because people want to actually go someplace specific. All right, for so example, let's talk I, how you do that. Yeah, I have no desire, for example, to try the hummus in Yemen, uh, no matter how cheap it is. I don't know what you're thinking about. I mean, that would be great. You could choose which side of the ongoing civil war you want yeah, to be absolutely. on. Yeah, absolutely. It could be hey. perfect. All right, so there's always been an argument about how far in advance you should buy a ticket what day of the week you should buy a ticket. And there's some truth about how far ahead, but not necessarily on day of the week to purchase. You know, it seems that the best time to buy a ticket is about six weeks out for domestic travel and about 12 weeks out for international. I thought it used to be three weeks out. Three weeks was the uh, minimum in order to not get ripped off by the airlines. But if you'll double that to six weeks, about 45 days, that's when you'll tend to have the most flexibility and find the best fares. Not every time, but if you're just going with mathematical probabilities, that's going to help. And another thing is if you use two particular tools to look for fares, 
I think you'll find that you consistently get lower prices. And one of them is to use kayak.com, but my favorite is google.com slash flights. And you can set up a fare alert, and they'll track the flights for you, and they'll let you know when the fare hits a point that, hey, you're crazy not to buy it. Now, at that point, you've already decided where you want to go, correct? Exactly. So we're, we're putting aside my El Cheapo Clarkway that I travel as part of my life, which only a segment of people will do. This is when you say, okay, I know I have to go to Denver in, or I want to go to Denver in July. So here's where the fares are right now, looking at kayak and google.com slash flights. And so you set up the fare alert. If the fare is a screaming deal when you go to look, go ahead and buy it. Don't sweat it. But if the deal looks a little pricey, you set up the alert and you just keep watching the fare. And it'll do so automatically for you and let you know when a cheaper fare is along. Now, what do you do do when you go to, for example, I can understand the airfare to Paris. It was a virtual giveaway. But Paris is one of the most expensive cities in the world uh, to hotel in and to eat in. Do you know what I paid for a five-star hotel in Paris? It was so upsetting. $8. It was $110 U.S. a night for a five-star hotel. How do you do that? All right. So I bought it on Priceline. And I stayed at a magnificent hotel on Metro Line 1, you know, the main Metro Line. And I was two stops from the Arc de Triomphe. And it was it was a hotel that was, I wouldn't call it, although it was rated a five-star, I would call it more a four-star. But still. But I mean, it was that's a still... great hotel for 90 euro, 110 U.S. And dollars. What is, uh, and what was the room like? The room was about... Uh, a little bit bigger than a normal hotel room in Europe, about the size you'd really? find in a hotel in the U.S., but but beautiful with a great wow. view that's, of central Paris out the window. That's incredible. And so I've got a guide on Clark.com that walks you through step-by-step how I do the Priceline bookings. Because one of the tricks, if you get really good at it, with Priceline, you're not supposed to know where you're staying Till after you've paid non-refundable for a room by the star level you've chosen, neighborhood you've chosen. But there's now a way that Priceline knows very few people are ever going to get into this. But I now can figure out about okay. 95% of the time what hotel I'm going to get before I buy it. Not All right. with the name not disclosed. And I have to cut you off for a minute uh, because we're going to come back in a moment. And we can, you can get that information on Clark.com or is it ClarkDeals.com? Clark.com. Clark.com. That's where that information is as well as everything else. We're going to come back and, of course, deal of the week. And uh, as always, Clark's never been more excited. I, actually, today I, I am yeah. hopping with excitement. It hopping. is true. Hopping. We'll be right back. Clark Howard, KFI AM. Hey, Clark, can we get a deal of the week? Clark Howard, deal of the week. All right. Yes, it is. Handle in the morning crew on a Wednesday. And uh, let's go into segment number two of Clark Howard and Cheapskate University. And, of course, uh, it's probably the most popular segment we have here on the morning show, and that is Deal of the Week with Clark. Wow. It's true, actually. I'm not, uh, well, actually, it's not true, but I'm trying to make you feel better. All right, uh, Clark, 
Yes. Uh, deal of the week or deals, deals of the week. Deals. I'm so tempted to start with a travel deal because we were talking about how to book cheap travel before, but there's a bigger deal I need to bring to you right now that is for veterans and military personnel that is incredible. It's from T-Mobile, and it's just started. I think it started last night, and it's not an introductory deal. This is the real deal for military personnel. If you have a family that you bring in on your plan, your family members only pay $10 a month for unlimited talk, text, data, free Netflix, free travel with your phone, with free texting, and unlimited data outside the United States. I mean, it's unreal. How much is the base? So the military person, for uh, he or she and a spouse or friend, it's $80 a month total for the two of them. But the next four people are 10 bucks a month. So that means six people's total bill, and this includes taxes and junk fees, is 120 a month by service for six people total. For how long? Forever. Once you're in, you're in. Wow. That I mean, it pretty... is incredible. And right now, for military personnel, and, it, and you can also be a retiree, you know, a veteran, you just have to have your DD-214, which is the document a, a former military person would have, and you're eligible for this. And you can sign up right away and provide the documentation within six weeks. But this deal also for the next six weeks includes getting Samsung phones for half price, the top-tier Samsung phones, the S9, the S9 Plus. Yeah, it sounds pretty impressive. It is great. So phenomenal i have a link to it at clark deals if you want to see the full details let me jump to the travel deal there's an airline you and i talked about last year called wow air yes all right so wow air is doing a deal today for travel in september and october to iceland for 69 dollars from la one way that, that's you know those have to sell out in about 12 seconds no they started uh yesterday afternoon and there are dates still available at 69 bucks. I just looked in the three minutes ago. All right. Also, for 169 one way. On WOW. On WOW in September and October, you can go to your choice of Amsterdam, Brussels, Copenhagen, Dublin, yeah. Edinburgh, London, Paris, and um, one other one, Tel Aviv. Two forty nine one way. See that is uh, that's insanely cheap. Having been there, incidentally, for those people that don't know, Wow it, Air got its name when people would say, "Wow, this thing actually flies." <laughs> now they're fine planes, but everything is extra. The sixty nine dollar, the one sixty nine, all it gets you is a seat. You want water, you pay. You want to check a bag, you pay. You want to carry on a bag, you pay. But even with that, how much, if you're buying water, you bring your own food, for example. You're oh, you buying... bring your own food, and you, you yeah. take one of those those um, empty water bottles through security and then fill it on the other side, which people who fly WOW or Norwegian, they learn to do that stuff, or Spirit. Or All right, so Frankie. let's say, and you're, and you're checking in a bag, because most people will have. Yeah, you're going to end up $110 one way or $210 one way, depending on the market. And that's you're talking about extra money, or no to- total? Oh, see that's your fare plus. The see that that is insane. My daughter is uh, off to uh, Europe uh, this summer, and she's going Norwegian, uh, and uh, I couldn't believe uh, the cost. I mean, she actually and she paid for it herself after uh, I gave her my credit card. She actually, I mean, she actually booked it. 
Uh-huh. Uh, and But it's uh, dirt cheap relative to any other airline. Yeah, and so Norwegian and WOW have really hurt our full fare airlines. How do they Europe. make how do they make money with fares that are so low? Well, Norwegian's not making money right now. Wow is, but Norwegian's not profitable right now. So we'll see if they become profitable. But the idea is they do what's called densify their planes. The seats are tight in these planes. And remember everything's unbundled. So you're only paying for what you use. The one of the things with a long haul flight is weight is a real factor of all the bags and all that. And so by charging for bags, they reduce the amount of baggage people take. In fact, I have a micro carry-on that I use on Spirit and Frontier so I don't have to pay bag charges. Yeah, I know. you. It's hilarious. You will go to Europe for three weeks with one carry-on bag. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. But it's- then again, uh, you don't even bring deodorant. Oh, that's not true. All right. We have one. Can I have time for another? One more. All right. Um, Woot is doing what's known as a Woot off today. I don't know if you remember you and I have talked about Woot.com. Like right now they're selling Amazon Fire HD tablets for 29 bucks that are refurbs. And every, every time one item sells out, they pop up another one. So it's like a flash sale as each item sells through today. Pop up another, then they pop up another. Now, do you have a chance of actually buying it at uh, oh, 29 yeah. bucks? Yeah, I, I can buy it right now. I'm looking right now. I'll say shop now. I'm clicking. Yep, I got it. So 29 bucks. So if you just go to Woot.com and you look on the top of the screen, you'll see a button that says uh, sell out or Woot off. Sell out is better. Just click on that, and it'll show you the item that's available at that second. When that one sells, look for the next item. And you can really steal deals. Woot is owned by Amazon, and it's like their hyper-clearance site. Got it. All right, Clark, uh, we've got to run. As always, thanks so much. Uh, ClarkDeals.com, which are today's deals, of which we've talked about, and the Clark.com, which is everything that's on the website, always worth going to. Clark, thank you. Have a good day. You too. All right, take care. This is, oh, coming up, the travel ban is back in the Supreme Court. Wait a minute, isn't this the third go-round? Well, yeah, but I'll explain the latest. KFI AM 640. KFI handle here. It is a Wednesday, uh, April 25th, hump day. Some of the big stories that we're covering this just in, the Golden State Killer has uh, been captured 50 years ago is when he started his crime spree, according to the police. And uh, he has been captured. He's, what, 72 years old or something? And uh, the Cosby trial is going on right now. Deliberations have already started. So there's uh, a lot going on this morning. All right. Now, uh, third time around for Trump's travel plan. It has finally reached the Supreme Court. How far can the president go And uh, it's going to consider whether the president has the power to bar most immigrants and travelers from five heavily Muslim countries. If you remember, he instituted the travel ban right after he was elected. And uh, at that point, the courts just stopped him cold. Uh, The first couple of reiterations, not interested in uh, this travel ban. And there was a couple of reasons for it. Uh, first of all, uh, the argument was the travel ban really wasn't national security. 
it was based on ethnicity or it was based on religious background. Because he said over and over again, it's time to stop Muslims from coming into this country. This is about Muslims. Now, of course, the argument about Muslims is national security. I mean, I don't think for a moment that he just wakes up in the morning and says, I hate Muslims. And let's see what we can do to screw up, uh, to screw over Muslims this morning. I think that he genuinely feels that there is uh, connect the dots here. And that is Muslims are a huge risk or a greater risk. And there's an argument to be had. Of course, not all, it's not all Muslims are terrorists, but uh, you can say all terrorists are Muslims or 95% of them around the world. So I think there's an argument there that can be had for uh, arguing that um, uh, Muslims in and of themselves are pose more of a risk, especially from the countries, the seven countries that were involved. Although, interestingly enough, no terrorists have come from those countries. The number one country that has supplied terrorism, especially here in the United States, Saudi Arabia. And there is no chance in hell that we're going to ban Saudis from coming here to this country, not with Saudi Arabia being uh, our biggest ally uh, in or one of our biggest allies in the Mideast, short of Israel. So uh, this last go-round, and the court is going to hear it, and that is, does the president have the right to make that decision? The current version bars entry from almost every immigrant and even every traveler from Iran, Syria, Yemen, Libya, Somalia, fair enough, mostly Muslim countries, North Korea, the only religion they have is Kim Jong-un, Venezuela, the only religion they have is communism. Uh, Earlier orders included Chad and Sudan, both Muslim countries. And the court has to rule, and it's a little bit wonky, but I think it's important for us to know this. Four questions that the court is looking at. Can anyone challenge the executive order barring the entry of a non-citizen? The Trump organization has said, the administration has said, Congress has never authorized judicial review of executive decisions to exclude aliens abroad. Because even if this is religiously based, this is not an American, American citizen or someone living in the United States. This is a foreigner coming in. And how do you argue constitutional uh, rights from someone living outside the country who isn't even in the country they just wants in? The next question, federal immigration law and what it authorizes uh, the president to do. Trump's lawyer says Congress gave the president broad authority to suspend the entry of any class of aliens as long as he shall deem it necessary. I think, therefore I am, effectively is what he is saying. And the argument says, you know what? All he has to do is say it's necessary. And he can ban whoever the hell he wants. That's the argument. And notwithstanding the religious argument, let's say the court does feel that it was based on religious discrimination. Okay, so president has the right to do that when dealing with someone outside the United States who just wants in. And then the third question gets a little more wonky here. Uh, And this is a stretch, which I don't see how they're going to really connect the dots. 
Does a ban targeted at Muslim country violate the Constitution's ban on establishment of religion? Usually that's when government allows the Ten Commandments at a courthouse or a nativity scene uh, at, uh, the, at City Hall uh, on the mall in the front lawn uh, where the answer is no. This is sort of the other end of it. And I, yeah, I don't know where the court's going to go on this one. And then uh, the other argument, which I think is, has a lot of uh, oomph to it, is Trump's lawyers are asking the court, does a district judge's order, for example, in Hawaii, that block the travel ban across the nation, is that too wide? Why? Because uh, there, it is an increasingly common practice of district court judges handing down nationwide orders based on a lawsuit brought by a handful of plaintiffs. Is that too broad? That's a question that the court is going to have to deal with. I think the big issue has to do with the president's ability uh, to uh, issue an executive order barring immigrants. And those are the two big questions. Is Are there any constitutional rights that someone outside the country has that can be argued and you have to let me in uh, because I'm a Muslim and you're, and you're saying Muslims aren't allowed in? Do I have any standing effectively? And uh, the other issue is... Does the president have to justify it? Uh, or is he just have to say it because it's under his purview? Don't know the answer. I think, I think the president's going to win on this one. I think with this court, the president is going to prevail. All right. Uh, coming up, uh, the Iran deal. The president says it's insane. It's ridiculous. The deal says that the president is insane and ridiculous. Hmm. And after the break, your chance to win $1,000 brought to you by uh, Cunning Dental. If you have bleeding gums, call Cunning Dental for a free exam, 888-6. KFI Handle here. It is Say Wednesday, April 25, and here is your chance to win some cash. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword money to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's money to 200-200. They call the winner, and you have to answer or you can't win. Karen in La Habra answered and won $1,000. Your next chance to win next hour. All right, uh, back we go. And one of the things uh, about uh, this president and uh, those detractors say he says things that are completely insane, that make absolutely no sense, as he goes against most of the rest of the world, as he has done talking about the Iran deal, even as he was running for president. And there's a lot to be said for his position because there is a very good argument to be had that the deal was insane and was ridiculous. So what was this Iran deal? Well, the, when the United States, uh, well, when the, Iran, the Iranian Revolution happened in 1979, the United States froze a tremendous amount of assets. And uh, what ended up happening, some of those assets were uh, released 
uh, when the hostages were returned. But there were still assets here in the United States. And there were still sanctions, big-time sanctions, that the rest of the world had against Iran. The big one being that Iran couldn't sell oil on uh, the world market because everybody goes through or all countries go through a single clearinghouse and that was shut off to the Iranians, so they had to sell uh, their oil all black market, which really hurt their economy. So they cut a deal to stop their nuclear program, their weapons program, just halt it. And therefore, sanctions are released, and uh, Iran goes back to at least doing better business than it was. And the president called that deal crazy, insane, ridiculous. Why is that? Because two things were left off the table. Support for terrorism, that just keeps on going balls to the wall, and the testing of ballistic missiles. Those were not part of the deal. And the president and many other people have said, how could you leave that off the table? If you're cutting a deal with Iran to bring them back so they can make money, so they can sell their oil and sell products and buy products on the world market, how can you leave off support of terrorism and the testing of missiles. And John Kerry, who cut the deal, uh, said, this is the best we can do. At least we got this. And Western Europe said, this is the best we can do. At least we got this. And you know what? It's a bad deal. Because to say this is the best we can do when we're holding the cards... That's kind of a hard argument to make. Now, the other side of it is stopping a nuclear weapons program is so important that we'll gladly exclude the testing of missiles and the support of terrorism just to get that. And that's exactly what the uh, Obama administration said and how John Kerry supported it. Well, uh, Trump is saying no chance. There is no chance. And I want out of that deal. We want to renegotiate that deal because it stinks. And Macron, one of the big deals about uh, Macron coming over here is talking about the Iran deal and effectively begging the President Trump, stay in the deal. For God's sake, stay in the deal for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's the best we have. We got a pretty good deal if you look at the big picture. And number two, and there's a lot of concern here in the United States about that, if we're willing to abrogate, abrogate a treaty or an agreement that we signed, how can we cut a deal with anybody else? How do we cut a deal with North Korea? With Kim Jong-un, knowing that any deal we cut, eh, we don't like it later on, we abrogate it. That's a big issue. Now, Trump has some legal argument saying there really was never a treaty because Congress, uh, the Senate has to ratify any treaty. But I don't know the last time we did treaties since everything is done under executive orders these days. I mean, everything. We go to war. I mean, the last time we actually declared war was 1945. Or excuse me, 1941 is the last time we actually declared war on someone. So Vietnam, Korea, well, Korea was a U.N. issue. Uh, But Grenada, Serbia, uh, when you look at all the battles we have fought, uh, you know, it's uh, executive uh, orders. 
So what's going to happen? Well, Trump's going to end up getting some kind of a deal. I think there's going to be a renegotiation because President Macron yesterday said, okay, please don't abrogate. Instead, let's look at a third way. Iran is saying a deal's a deal. You cut out any part of that deal, we're going balls to the wall with our nuclear program. The president says we're abrogating. And if you go ahead with your nuclear program, it, you're going to have more pain than you've ever seen in your life. I mean, we're going to take you out effectively. And Macron said, well, let's do something else. Let's go through a, a third way. And that is build on it. I don't even know what that means, by the way, building on it. So that's the latest. Uh, by the way, President Macron is in front of Congress right now speaking. All right. Coming up, Handle on the News, late edition, right here, KFI AM 640. Handle on the News, late edition. Handle on the News. Guess what day it is. All right. KFI Handle here. And uh, big stories we're covering. Well, actually, uh, Macron is in front of Congress right now. He's been there for, I don't know, half an hour already. He won't shut up. And uh, how long has he been there? Uh, he's coming up on an hour. Jeez like, yeah. Louise. Come on, guy. Well, part of it is, and this happens a lot, half the time is being taken up with the very long applause breaks. Yeah, standing up ovations, uh, standing up applauding, half of Congress putting on berets, <laughs> reaching in their pocket. A lot of solidarity, <laughs> opening their lunch bags, uh, baguettes, ham and cheese on a baguette. Yes. Like I had ham this morning. Ham and brie on a baguette. Yeah. But very thin slices of ham. If you, the French, That's how the French do it. I hate it. Just almost no meat at all. Right. You know, just nothing. My grandfather, who was a meat cutter for Stater Brothers, claims that you should always have the meat sliced as thinly as possible because it tastes the best that way. Yeah, but you have to stack it up. Well, that's all right. Stack okay. it on up. Really? Well, they don't. This because is... they, have to, they have to do something healthy because they chain smoke constantly yeah. over there. Uh, yeah. So do you think Robin's going to say a word or two about uh, the fact we've gotten right into... Uh, oh, handle on the news late edition. Lee Story. The Golden State Killer. Responsible for 12 homicides and 50 rapes starting in the 1970s has been arrested. And he's a 72-year-old man, uh, originally a cop, and was uh, fired for shoplifting a hammer and dog repellent. Put those two together and figure it out. And has been linked to uh, a dozen unsolved homicides. There was a book written about him. And uh, based on that, a tip, and uh, he's been picked up. He's been picked up. I don't understand how they found him. And under what? Because he can't look very similar to what he looked like in his twenties. No, there were, but you know, the the woman who wrote the book, Michelle McNamara, was married to Patton Oswalt before she died. She spent years looking into that case, and she got a lot of details into that book that allowed some other people to make connections to this D'Angelo guy. Yeah, and that's just uh, in. By the way, the arrest just happened. And then uh, a quick story before we go into the rest of it is L.A. is ending its economic boycott of Arizona. Remember we had a boycott of Arizona? Sort of. Yeah. They kept making exceptions Real... every time the city wanted to buy something from Arizona. <laughs> exactly. Right. 
As a matter of fact, the only thing that uh, they wouldn't buy or they said they wouldn't buy from Arizona is Arizona iced tea, which was made in Culver City. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that didn't work. They said nothing from Arizona because you have laws that are mean to uh, illegal aliens. Yeah, they've lifted that. And, uh, me, and right after, like the day after, I think it was LAPD, said uh, we need tasers and they're they're – Taser is in Arizona, and they're like, okay, you can buy those. And then everybody, just every time, they buy But now officially, the— It's officially over. The boycott is over. Unanimous, and guess who uh, spearheaded the movement to end it? Gil Cedillo. I think a lot of it has to do with Arizona changed its uh, laws quite a bit. Yes, and had them thrown out by the courts. Yeah, that helped too. Well, there's an activist group here in SoCal that is saying, Latinos, don't talk to cops. Now, that's genius, isn't it? Now, it's one organization, uh, Hermandad uh, Mexicana, all the other Latino groups saying that's crazy. Don't talk to cops. A cop shows up because uh, there is a, let's say, a crime in progress, goes next door and says, did you see the guy? I don't talk to you. Not only that, they're saying don't come to court and don't even report crimes in your own community yeah let's let the let the gangs run rampant i mean these people are crazy i get that they think that this is anti the anti-sanctuary movement that this is their way of protesting it but how is this helping you ultimately oh it's not it's not even helping you uh specifically and right now it's hurting right. right that basically means the criminals if this were to go forward and the community actually paid attention to this uh if i'm a criminal i know i've got a free ride yeah. I can burglarize, I can hurt, I can maim, I can do anything I want. I can armed robbery. Is that, I can armed, what is the verb for armed robbery? To rob, rob armed. Rob while armed? Yes. <laughs> um, all right, we covered this. Uh, French President Emmanuel Macron is still talking to Congress. No big surprises, nothing controversial. Hasn't been booed yet, but has been applauded a lot. That's all. And yeah, it's like know. the State of He'd the Union. still be talking when People we're done stand with this up. segment. The only thing that's yeah. good about, the only thing that's good about these speeches uh, is these people go up and down and up and down. They don't have to do squats at the gym for the next several days because <laughs> it's all done for <laughs> right. them. One, one thing, though, he's stealing Britain's shtick. He started talking about how the U.S. and France have a very special relationship. Maybe in a, We may be in a love triangle now. We absolutely could. A menage. Right. Well, it depends on who wins. If Britain wins, it's a love triangle. And if France wins, it's a menage. Okay, here's a weird one. This Danish inventor invites a wired journalist to check out his submarine. And then somewhere along the way, apparently kills her. That is strange. And parts of the body show up and uh, just crazy. By the way, how does that line work? You meet someone, you meet a woman in a bar, hey baby, do you want to see my submarine? Well, Wired, the the website and magazine that covers tech, they were interested in this guy, Peter Madsen, who's an inventor. And so they wanted to do a story on him. And And, uh, he allowed this woman to go on his submarine. And she shows up dismembered. Well, yeah, it's really bad. Stab wounds around her genitals. Um, so he tried to say he didn't kill her, but he but he he admitted that he didn't really take care of the corpse properly. Right, and he did chop her up. 
I mean, yeah. it was all in it. She died accidentally. Uh, one of the charges, and I find this one kind of interesting, he was charged with sexual relations other than intercourse of a particularly dangerous nature. Yeah, I, saw I think that they're too. referring to stabbing her. In Maybe the, in the pri- well, he's been found guilty and sentenced to life in prison. What was creepy though is right before all this happened, she got on the submarine and started texting her boyfriend. I'm still alive, by the way. Like clearly joking. I'm going down now. Love you. He brought cookies and coffee. I mean, just creepy. Well, yeah, I didn't dead. didn't quite understand what was about to happen. All right, we're going to come back and finish up handle on the news late edition. All right, we're back here. And uh, Handle and the Morning Crew, uh, big uh, stories that we're uh, covering. Golden State Killer uh, has been captured. We'll do a whole segment about that tomorrow. A Supreme Court uh, is hearing the uh, final arguments of the travel ban, the Trump travel ban. So tomorrow, of course, or when the decision is rendered, we'll talk about it. Let's go ahead and finish up Handle on the News, late edition, Jennifer Jones-Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. Uh, An attorney for the family of a black man who was shot by Barstow police say an independent autopsy makes the cops look really bad. According to them, uh, the guy was struck at least 10 times. He died by asphyxiating on his own blood. And that if any of the police officers had tried to help him medically after they shot him, that he probably could have lived. Although officials say they did try to help him medically. So there's a dispute about whether well, there's they also, did or not. There's also a dispute about why they fired into the vehicle. Uh, and that is, uh, or he had gotten out of the vehicle, I think. No, he, no, he was still in the vehicle. He put it He right. put it in reverse and hit a patrol car, and they and then, say, and then he started accelerating right. again towards the officer. And the family, the yeah. attorney says, if you look at the video, he was slowly moving towards the officer. So uh, it's this is one of those that we just interpret everything differently. The witnesses, the family says A, the police say B, and it's so far different, the two stories, that never the twain shall meet. And then this, and why they said he was hit with ten bullets. That that becomes. Uh, I don't know why that's a big this deal. This is always a thing. I from know. Anti-police activists. They always focus on how many shots are fired right. or how many bullets hit the guy, not understanding that it's irrelevant. Not only is it not irrelevant. Not only is it irrelevant. The cops have to unload. The policy you, is they have to make sure he's down. You did the shooting simulator, right? I did. At the sheriffs? Yes. Uh, we used to do them at LAPD. And one thing they told us is, you know, if you're ever, like, being asked, why did you shoot 10 times? The answer is, because then I ran out of bullets. Yeah. Not because I needed oh, 10 bullets. Yeah. You're supposed to go and go and go until you until, can't anymore. Well, until he is down. And the problem is you don't know someone is down you don't shoot once and to see if uh, uh, the cop has been able to stop him. Because how many people get shot and are still able to function and can shoot back? Oh, absolutely. So Every day. It's, you shoot, shoot, shoot. By the way, when I did the uh, simulation, it was uh, one of the uh, simulations they gave me. One of the scenarios was an active shooter in a kindergarten. Ooh. I oh. took out the entire kindergarten class. Oh. Just took them out. I think I got the shooter, too, but frankly... <laughs> Oh. A lot of five-year-olds. Okay, shh. <laughs> Let's talk about secret science. Yeah, this is Scott Pruitt of the EPA. I just, he just keeps on going. 
Yeah, he says he doesn't want secret science anymore. He's, I think he's trying to have transparency. And so he doesn't want secret science, which is research that doesn't make the raw data available to the general public. Right. So the EPA, the rule has to be on uh, the best available science. And they don't release all the raw data. And what Pruitt says, release all the raw data. So and effectively what he's saying, so our guys can look at it, say this is pseudoscience, uh, it's interpreted wrong, and therefore the premise of the EPA is false, it's flawed, and there is no such thing as global warming or climate change. But the former EPA administrator says, look, this new rule could undermine rules intended to protect public health because studies used to support those rules rely on private health data. It's, it's all crazy. It really is. It's uh, This man is single-handedly dismantling the EPA. That was That's his job. That's what uh, President Trump selected him for when he was the attorney general. I think it was Oklahoma. He was the lead. uh, He was a lead legal uh, personality, the lead. uh, Actually, uh, no, but not only the plaintiff, but the prosecutor to unravel every single EPA rule that existed. The EPA dozens of times. The FDA is also busy cracking down on the sale of e-cigarettes to minors. So we bought a pack of cigarettes. And there's one brand that's really the flashpoint for this problem, the Juul, J-U-U-L. There's a lot of kids, I guess, really like it. And so the FDA did an undercover operation where, of course, they sent miners in to buy these things at various locations, and now they're cracking down. Yep. And they want the company to reveal its internal marketing plan and marketing documents to see if they are purposefully trying. And they're saying no. They're saying we totally oppose these things being sold to miners. Ignore the fact that we have Donald Duck on every one of these. It's not for kids. I remember I got benched in like second grade because I was talking too much at lunch, but I'll never remember a teacher putting tape over my mouth. Mm. Michigan substitute teacher has been fired because uh, it uh, the school determined or the uh, authorities determined that uh, uh, there goes uh, the teacher. Is it a woman? I think it is. Yeah, she put scotch tape over this little five-year-old boy's mouth in front of his classmates during lunch. I don't even really see why she did it. During lunch? Yeah. So he and they threw eat. his lunch away and laughed about it, Jeez. according so to the allegations. Eat. Well, she's out of a job. All right, let's do one more real quickly. Uh, This viral video is very, it's wrong, but it's funny. Uh, It's a restaurant in China, and a kid whose parents own the restaurant comes tearing through those plastic curtains that they have sometimes in places to get some chopsticks or something. And as he tears through, the, the plastic strips fly up and hit a pregnant woman who's sitting right next to them, and she spills some food. So she doesn't like it. So when he comes running back the other way, she just puts her foot out and trips him, and over he goes, and he has a concussion now. Wow. But uh, it, 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 And the online sentiment is almost entirely against the woman. Oh, of course. And what makes this uh, story particularly interesting is uh, it has gone viral to the point where it has been shared on Weibo 67 million times. Yeah. She turned herself in and apologized. She got a short suspended sentence and a $158 fine. Okay, that's it. We're done. Uh, coming up. Talking about China, uh, the social credit systems. We were talking about China putting everybody, I mean everybody, on its uh, own database. The world, or at least the Chinese world. I'm going to take it one step further and find out what they're doing. It's really incredible.
KFI AM 640. And uh, this is KFI Handle here on a uh, Wednesday, April 25th. Some of the big stories that we're covering. Uh, federal judge has ruled in favor of DACA. Oh, yeah. Uh, Trump administration is getting nailed. Uh, travel ban. Uh, the Supreme Court final argument on whether the travel ban is uh, over or it continues or a modified form. The Cosby trial is going on. The deliberations are happening now. And then uh, coming up at 930, uh, the House whisperer, Dean Sharp, is going to join us. So there's a lot going on. All right. Last week, uh, we uh, did a story about a Chinese guy who was on the lam. Uh, he had been accused of some kind of financial crime. And he went to uh, a concert at a stadium, 60,000 people. And the police picked him up, went to his seat and picked him up. Why? Well, because every single person had been photographed by cameras and then face recognition came into play and boom, they got him. Which basically means that every single person in every public venue, walking down the street, walking into a store, walking to uh, walking into a concert, uh, a soccer match photographed. And then that photograph is compared against a database with a face recognition software, and uh, they effectively know where everybody is at all times. That's China. Because there's no such thing as right to privacy in China. So let me tell you about the latest. And uh, this is a test that's going on, and unfortunately for the Chinese, seems to be working beautifully. A high-tech effort is underway to bust low-level offenders. Now, last week we talked about high-level offenders. This is low-level offenders. Jaywalkers, for example. For example, they walk through intersections, camera picks them up, and a couple of things happen. First of all, there are video screens that are on each corner, and their faces go up, and it's public shaming of jaywalkers. Now, I don't know how many people actually care about that. I guess in China they care about public shaming. Who, who the hell knows? I wouldn't care. But... Part of it is the fact there's a new social credit system that is connected. And this is where people's daily behavior is monitored and rated. And it's not just they publicly shame you. Oh, it goes way farther than that. It goes far beyond what we would consider a credit score, although it is a modified credit score. But it has nothing to do with your credit. It has nothing to do with your credit score. China's version factors in everything. Jaywalking, smoking on trains, buying too many video games. And what happens with us when we have a low credit score, they it it makes you it's difficult to get credit, or you're gonna be paying more interest. Here it is on a whole new level. If your score gets too low, you could actually be banned from buying plane tickets or even renting a house or even getting a loan whatsoever. And we're not talking about flakes who renege on loans. We're talking about people who do too much jaywalking or buying too many video games. It's all scored on this computer program 
about 15 million people have already been prevented from traveling. One of them is a journalist who recently tried to book a flight, was uh, told he couldn't because he was on this list of untrustworthy people. Now, I can understand people being put on a list uh, that they're considered, quote, untrustworthy. We're talking about civil libertarians. We're talking about people that are considered radical. We're talking about journalists that do investigations uh, of what the government does and says and unfair government practices. Although I clearly disagree with that. I mean, I'd like, I'm in favor of a free society. I can understand that. They put you on a list of effectively an undesirable and make your life hell. And he said, I can't buy property. My child can't go to a private school. You feel you're being controlled uh, by this list all the time. And I can see that if you are an undesirable. But it goes beyond, way beyond that. Because if you buy, and this is the government arbitrarily saying, if you buy too many video games, what we're seeing is someone who's not working very hard and someone not adding to society. If you're not adding to society, we are going to punish you. Forget about your kid going into a school, a private school even. Forget about buying a house or traveling or buying a plane ticket. And so the fear is, and I think it's a legitimate fear, because this is China, and you can do almost whatever you want in China, except you can't criticize the government. It's an open system. I mean, they're about as market-oriented as you can get now. You don't screw with the government. You don't criticize the government, and you certainly don't do anything to get in the way of the government. So the fear is the government is going to use this social credit scoring system to punish people who are not sufficiently loyal to the Communist Party. See, I don't, I don't buy that. I don't think it has anything to do with loyalty to the Communist Party. I don't, I don't think they care who's a member of the Communist Party or not. I think they care about people that are... Uh, anti-social in that they're not adding to the system. Jaywalking. Traffic tickets. Being late at work. Those are all people that become, quote, undesirable. And clearing your name or fighting your score is almost impossible. Why? Because there's no such thing as due process in China. It just doesn't exist. Man, that's taking this uh, new technology, face recognition technology and databases to a whole new level. All right, uh, coming up, Finland's universal income experiment is over. They are finished with it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. And coming up, your chance to win $1,000 brought to you by Cunning Dental. If you have a toothache, call Cunning Dental for a free exam, 888-640-SMART. Now she got a six-year-old Trying to keep him warm Trying to keep all the gold When he looks in her eyes Alright, Wednesday, April 25 uh, Handle in the morning crew And here's your chance to win some cash Your shot at $1,000 now Text the keyword BILLS to 200-200 You'll get a text confirming entry Plus iHeartRadio info Standard data and messaging rates apply That's BILLS to 200-200 
If you win, they're going to call you. But if you don't answer, you won't win. Joyce in Artesia answered that call, and she won $1,000. You've got another chance to win next hour. Now, uh, I think it was last week we talked about uh, Finland uh, and a program, a pilot program. uh, They were running, uh, testing out the proposition that the best way to lift the economic fortunes of uh, the poor, the oppressed, the disenfranchised is simply hand out money without restrictions on how to use it. Free money. And they did it for about a year. Uh, it's called universal basic income. And by the way, it's uh, around the world they're looking at it. Well, uh, in England or in, in Finland, uh, it's it's done. The experiment is ending. It is finished. And I like that. I want to repeat that twice. Uh, the Finnish government has opted not to continue this. And not because it wasn't working, because it was really too early to tell. This pilot program. You know Why? Uh, because the people of Finland who are insane taxpayers, when you're talking about the Scandinavian countries, you're talking about taxes on a level that most of us simply don't appreciate. But then again, it's free education or it's paid for by the taxpayer all the way up to forever. Certainly free medical. I mean, it's uh, basically uh, birth to grave kind of thing uh, is the way they take care of you, uh, except you have to pay for it, and the taxes are very, very high. And the more money you make, you talk about a graduated income tax, uh, the more money you make, I mean, you get to the point where you have virtually no money uh, at the end of a certain amount of income. Or at least at that point, the government takes away uh, virtually all of it. I'll tell you why uh, it uh, disappeared. Because the taxpayer in in Finland was just too pissed off. Effectively saying, we work way too hard, we pay way too much in taxes in order for those people to get free money. Now, that is kind of interesting because you would think that uh, it's a welfare program. And what is welfare other than free money unless the only way you get welfare is to either train or try to look for work or actually get a job, then you're off welfare, aren't you? Uh, If you're not training for something, if you're not in job training, or you're not actively looking for work, and I mean actively, and not just playing around. You know what? You ain't getting any money. Now, there are other trials. You know, San Francisco, uh, they're, they're sort of playing with it. Ontario is playing with it. The Netherlands are looking at it. Here's a weird one. Kenya is looking at it. So... Here we already have a system like that. Do you know the general relief is exactly that? It's general relief, welfare. Now, there's no money in it. You get 220 or 230 bucks a month. I mean, I don't even know what it is right now. It used to be around that much money. And But you get food stamps. That's a form of welfare. And I think, and I'm talking about uh, the friend that my brother and I uh, support, uh, his old girlfriend, uh, that... I think she has a free bus pass, and I think they give that to people, too. So, theoretically, she can go out and look for work. But, of course, she will never because she is uh, mentally incapable of doing that. Now, here's the other question. Is that under Finland's basic income experiment that they just gave up, and they chose 2,000 randomly unemployed people, 
what the monthly stipends were, were 685 bucks a month, 560 euros. And they could spend that anywhere they want. Finland is a very expensive country to live in. Housing is pretty expensive. Food is expensive. How do you live on $685? I mean, it's more expensive to live there than it is here. So uh, the government hoped that the basic income would actually send more people into the job market to revive a weak economy. Here's some money, and it didn't. Or we don't know that it did or not. Because under the traditional unemployment program in Finland, people who didn't have jobs uh, were even discouraged from accepting temporary positions or starting businesses. Why? Because you get a little bit of income and your benefits stop. So they tried this. What would people do under the circumstances? How would they react? Well, it's 2,000 people. And it's 685 bucks a month. And it went on for a year. And that really is, those numbers are too small to really look at it and analyze it. But it's over. Because no one wanted to give them free money. I wouldn't want to give anybody free money. Well, I don't mind giving free money to people that I elect to give free money to. That's called a Christmas card in my world. So, so that one's done. All right, coming up, let's uh, switch gears completely. Uh, the House Whisperer, Dean Sharp, is going to join us for the next two segments, which we do on Wednesdays. Uh, the House Whisperer, aging in place, boomerang children, and multi-generational living. Your parents living with you. And we'll add suicide to that because if your parents move in with you, you are going to kill yourself. I guarantee that. KFI AM. All right. Good morning, everybody. Handel and uh, the morning crew. Big stories that we're uh, covering today. Uh, DACA. Or DACA, federal judges ruled uh, DACA continues and has to accept new applicants. And the travel ban, Supreme Court is hearing all kinds of arguments about the travel ban. Where Where is it going to go? Is it going to be upheld? And it will. And then the Cosby trial, deliberations. I was just talking to uh, Neil Savager about whether I think uh, Bill Cosby is going down. I think he is. All right. It's time for our segment of uh, the House Whisperer. Uh, brought to you by uh, Sunlux, the official solar company of home, right here on KFI, and my official company, because they're putting a system in my house. And mine. And yours. Well, they've already done yours. Yeah, and, and I recommend them to all of my clients. You do, for the best value. And I went to you and I said, what do you think? Oh, yeah. So for the best value in solar, dial pound 250 and say Sunlux. Sorry about my voice going out a little bit. I'm in three days now. Uh, and I'm, incidentally. What's the deal? I don't know. I don't have a sore throat. I am. Uh, I don't have a cold. I feel fine. No you, fever. You need some more of this incredibly average coffee uh, from yeah. the new machine. Uh, and I have uh, owned the new machine up in. Uh... Which, by the way, let's just let's just start off the segment talking about important breaking news: the new machine. It now has two spouts, two places where you can put your cups. But as far as I can tell, 
you can still only set it up to pour one cup at a time. So I'm not exactly sure what that second platform is for. And what's with the lids today? Those white little flimsy, it was like a throwback to the 1970s. Okay. I should have a styrofoam cup. Good. And the little lid that you have to tear the lip on. Okay. Robin, if you're listening. uh, Just saying. Who's off topic today? Huh? (laughs) Just, I'm just putting that down on the table. All right. Now. and, And now for... For a cunning transition. Yes. Uh, oh, very well said. All right. Aging in place. Uh, yeah. This na- Sunday show, we're gonna we're gonna talk about a we're gonna talk about in in many ways a, a major trend that's affecting the future of residential yeah. homes and home design and, and how people, we remodel and people going back to boomeranging back kids boomeranging back home after they have. Uh, become adults, gone through college or done whatever, and back at home because of the economy and just the the housing crisis in L.A., in Southern California, and adults boomeranging back with their kids in the sense of uh, what we call aging in place, which is instead of sending mom and dad off to the nursing home or the senior care facility or leisure village, more and more both economics and cultural trends are having us all living ass- under the same roof again. I'm assuming it's less economic than it is cultural. Uh, you go to Europe, for example, uh, South America, where I was born in Brazil. Kids stay at home until they're married. That's it. That's the bottom line. Right, that's the culture and story there. It is the culture, and no one ever goes off to an old-age facility. Uh, they're at home until they die and families. There are, it, two, there are three generations of families. Yes, as it is for most of the world and as it has been for almost all of the history of humanity on the planet. Well, they didn't have generational living. Well, Not that you had to worry about mom and dad past age 40 right. in and the there past. Was, and there was no place that they were going to go anyway. Right. So it was either outside the door or in the house. But we're really kind of in this interesting crisis where uh, urban areas... Uh, the cost of living is going up. Wages are still low. There's no guarantee anymore that you get out of college with your degree and you just go and get yourself a great job and you jump out on your own. And mom and dad living into their 80s, 90s, which means there's a long period of time for extended senior care. Uh, and so these taken individually are crises in their own regard, and yet... There's this very old world concept of multi-generational yeah. living, which in a, in one sense offers a solution to the whole thing. Before I got married uh, to Marjorie, I lived and had a house with uh, a girlfriend. We were together for many years. And we ended up, we broke up, we ended up selling the place, and I didn't quite know what I was going to do. I actually moved back, and I was 35 years old uh, with my mom and dad, and I spent a year with them. Uh, now... I would be introduced to people because I was single and people would set me up and go, hi, my name is Bill. I, I'm still at home. I live with my mom and dad. Now, granted, I didn't get laid that year very much. It was, <laughs> See, a, that's it a, was a dry year. That's but that's thing. the culture. That's the culture. Right. It's a joke in our culture right. because our definition of success post-World War II has been total independence. And you're kind of, you know, there have been sitcoms and whole TV shows written around the idea of the loser who ends up back home again. When in reality, it is American culture, suburban culture over uh, the period of time from World War II to now. And that, is that has actually been the anomaly. 
So and that's changing back. And we're now we're circling, going back. We're going, going back. back. Now, uh, there are some issues as to how to do this. Exactly. Because uh, if you have a traditional home and you're putting mom and dad in a guest room, the upstairs uh, guest room or downstairs, and they're sharing the kitchen, uh, if you're lucky enough, you have an ensuite bedroom where they are, where they have their own bathroom, but many, many homes do not. Exactly. Uh, especially for that extra uh, that uh, extra bedroom. That gets really tough. Right. And so these are challenges. There is no, I'm not here to say there are simple solutions, just do this and that. But the fact of the matter is this is where our culture is going. To the to the degree that there are now major home builders, Pardee Homes, Lennar Homes, major, I mean, these are major corporate uh, multi-state home builders that actually now have lines of homes. You can go out to San Bernardino and places in Orange County and uh, the outskirts of L.A. County and see Pardee and Lennar Homes, their Gen Smart suite homes and their next gen homes, where they're actually advertising new homes, two homes in one. Uh, so what does that mean? That means that the, the main, the main home is being built, as you would expect, and attached to the main home, not a guest house and back, but attached to the main home is another bedroom suite with its own kitchen or kitchenette and its own separate entrance, but a common door into the house. And so it's there on the first floor for aging parents to have their own place of independence and yet being connected to, to the whole house. Uh, they don't necessarily have to come into the house to get the practicalities of life taken care of. Uh, they can function independently, and yet they are connected when there's need. There is access. So it's essentially kind of mom well, and dad or the kids living right next door. And I'm assuming as you're building it, it can't be that much more expensive. But. No, it's not about the expense. It's just about the design and the planning, really. I mean, maybe you're adding another kitchen or kitchenette but the, to but the But that's house. small. Yeah, it's small. Oh. So it's really about the forethought. All right, we're going to come back uh, and we'll finish it up. Uh, just a couple of things in life. Uh, number one, paying taxes. Number two, aging. And number three, every day we give away a thousand bucks. That's never going to end either. <laughs> but that's twenty minutes. That's a twenty after. Okay, uh, back with Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer, KFI AM six forty. People try to put us to death. Just because we get around. All right, we're back as uh, we finish up uh, the segment every Wednesday with a house whisper, Dean Sharp. Uh, That's me. Yep, 9 to 11 o'clock every single Sunday. And don't forget uh, the uh, the podcasts. And we also, actually, we archive the shows itself Yes, on uh, the website. So you do not want to uh, miss those. It's really nice. It's a library of uh, stuff. It's probably the most, uh, I think... Uh, the most usable thing we do here on KFI in terms of archiving our shows. Every mistake I've ever made. Is right there. Permanently yeah. recorded. All right. Now back we go to uh, the multi-generational living. Uh, parents coming back to live with uh, their kids or kids coming back to live with their parents, which right. is now. And we got all these terms for it. Boomerang. Sandwich parents. That's now the official term if you are the breadwinner who owns the house and your kids are coming back and your parents are coming back. You are the sandwich. Makes You're sense. in the middle. All of these are just terms that we've come up with to describe something that humanity has done for 
uh, tens of thousands of years, which is just living under the same roof. Right. The whole Multiple family. generations living under the same roof. All right. So uh, we talked about new homes being built this way. This way. But most people are not out buying brand new homes that are being built by developers. Right. So if you're retrofitting your existing home for these kinds of things, and obviously these are all just bullet points of things to consider. But in the hierarchy of what I think is important, obviously, when you've got multiple generations of adults living under the same roof, you treat that different than two gen- generations of adults and minor children. Minor children are not entitled to their own privacy, nor do you necessarily want them to have too much privacy. But multi-generations of adults need privacy. And so one of those factors of privacy really comes to sound, not to put you know too subtle a point on it. People need their own space to be in their own places, having their own conversations or whatever is going on in those rooms. So now comes the subject of interior wall insulation, something that most houses have exactly zero of because code does not require an interior wall to be insulated, only the exterior wall. And that only has to do with sound, right? In terms Only sound. So it has nothing to do with insulation. No, from there's the heat. really no thermal benefits okay. to it because you're all sharing one space and the AC and the heat takes care of it. Unless you've got some room that's just getting blasted by sunlight all day long. But it really has to do with sound. So, again, that insulation, uh, if we go back into the podcast and pull up the soundproofing show, shouldn't be your normal fiberglass bats, which what you use for thermal should be something like heavy denim or rock wool insulation that's specifically sound deadening. So that means you pull the wall down, right? One side. You'll pull drywall off of one side of the wall or the other so you can access it. And so you're not talking a huge amount of money. Drywall is not an expensive proposition. And so insulating a room for sound is not that difficult of a thing to gain the privacy that adults need from each other. So privacy... Uh, personal space, this is the argument for having more than one TV in the house somewhere else. You know, because when there are multiple adults living under the same space, you know, you'll come home and you're thinking, oh, I'm going to watch this show. And you walk into the family room and somebody else is already watching a movie. So if there's any way to get to another space where you can do your own thing, you create those kinds of dual destinations. And then, of course, there are all of the issues having to do with aging in place. And that is the fact that physically... We're growing uh, weaker, our vision, more frail as we go. And and that turns into things like comfort height toilets in the bathroom. Comfort height meaning higher than normal toilet seats. So we don't have to make that deep squat bend down where a lot of accidents actually happen. A lot of people slip and fall. Uh, Grab bars, of course. Shower seats in the shower. Handheld sprayers in the shower as a, and a seat as opposed to relying on the shower head so someone can sit down and still bathe themselves. That's, uh, th- those, are, those are aspects of maintaining senior independence. Right, and those are dirt cheap. I they mean, are. One of the chairs is 30 bucks. You can take your existing shower head, change uh, the gooseneck, which is the pipe coming out the wall, put a little T on it so you can keep your shower head, and then coming off of that, and this is without disturbing any tile or anything, then coming off of that, you can get a wand. Uh, a handheld one hanging in the shower, and a, a portable folding seat for the shower. And then, of course, if you're actually remodeling, one of my favorite design elements now that we're doing in every bathroom we can, which is curbless showers, meaning there's no dam sticking up from the floor so that someone, either with a walker or just scooting their feet on the floor, so you how, can scoot you, right into the shower. How do you keep the water from entering the bath, uh, the the flooring? Well, your, your shower enclosure goes all the way down to the floor. Got it. And... 
the curbless shower, installing one means that, that the area of the shower, when you're remodeling, you recess that in the rough. You recess that four inches lower. Then by the time you build up, the same shower a pan goes in. They're all the same slope and the drain. But since you've recessed the rough floor four inches, by the time you build it all up, the tile in the shower flushes out with the tile on the rest of the floor. So it's a seamless transition. Also makes a small bathroom look way bigger because there's no line of interruption between the two. Got it. So that and a hundred more suggestions this Sunday morning. All right. Always uh, very good. Oh, oh what, what did Shannon just do? Shannon, Shannon brought my hummingbird pin back, which oh. I gallantly offered her uh, at the cocktail party on Friday night uh, in order to keep her breasts from falling out. I don't think you can Thank say you, that. Thank you, Dean. I, I didn't want to explain that story, but so I'm glad that you took the that's honors quite there. Right. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> and you're going to be meeting with uh, HR just down the hall in about two seconds. It's that oh. office right next to Robin's. Yes. I wasn't the cause. Uh, I was preventing it. It's true. It's they true. should it give was me a, a medal. It was a wardrobe malfunction, as it were. Yes. It wasn't like, yeah, you caused the problem. There was just a button that was not there. It. Yeah, it needed a button. And All I right. looked down. And look what you was on the lapel of my coat. And you can't look down. Uh, to right. himself. He looked at yeah, his I own bosom. Yeah, I looked at bosom. my own, and I said, hey, there it is. Tell me what rules we have to live by now. Shannon. Um, yes. What's, what's going on with the show today? I am super excited. I got chills this morning when I found out that they may have caught the Golden State Killer. Yes. I read Michelle McNamara's book with, like, one seating, maybe two days. Uh, I'll be gone in the dark. If you're into true crime, I cannot recommend this book enough. It's like Helter Skelter, but an unsolved mystery. Until today, they think they got the guy finally. This is somebody who terrorized Northern California, Sacramento, the East Bay, Orange County, Ventura County from 1976 to 86. He's in custody. He's talking. Michelle McNamara, of course, who died at 46 in the middle of the night, one of those unexplained deaths where you just don't wake so up. So how did they? And I, I did, and, and I she, did and before she finished the uh, before she finished the book. How so? What was it that gave them uh, the tip? How did they? Put I don't know, together? but I can't help but think it was Michelle McNamara's book that gave this investigation renewed life, and it was crowdsourcing of an investigation. Wow. All of these uh, these blogs and these Reddit forums and everything. It was a bunch of true crime psychos all getting involved to put the pieces you together. Know, I never have seen you this excited. I'm really excited. Netflix, There's a press Netflix conference documentary at noon. soon to follow. Right. Oh, there's already several documentaries on this. Oh, All right. Yeah. Okay. That's coming yeah. up with uh, Shannon and uh, Gary, or Gary and Shannon, and uh, the House Whisperer, Dean Sharp, 9 to 11 o'clock every Sunday. And I'll be back again tomorrow, hopefully with my voice a little less croaky. Uh, oh, what happened? Yeah. I don't know. You know what? I have some Chinese medicine in the office that it will work wonders. That you have to take every half hour. No, 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 oh. no. No, 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 no. That was so... Racist. Completely. We'll be right back. Damn or it. no, uh, Gary and Shannon. Sexual will be harassment here. and racism all in one fell swoop. Oh, good God. All right. Uh, have a good one, Shannon. Thank you, sir. Handle the morning crew. We do this again tomorrow. KFI AM 640.